Okay, children, I've got 9.35 on my watch, so our opening is going to be short and simple. Uh, parents, one of the things that uh, hopefully you are uh, reciting and teaching your children at home are the three things that Luther emphasizes, Ten Commandments, Apostles' Creed, and Lord's Prayer. So during Lent, our opening is going to be short and sweet. We're going to do the invocation, we're going to do the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, and the Lord's Prayer. Okay? So uh, let's stand and let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. The Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And the Apostles' Creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now let's fold our hands and bow our heads and close our eyes as we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the, glo and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, as we begin Sunday school anew, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Okay, Sunday school children, you are dismissed. Adults, you got about five minutes to finish eating, drinking, and talking. See you guys. Have a wonderful Sunday school. Bye-bye. Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, good to see so many faces uh, back now, uh, a lot of people that have been vaccinated, getting out and about. Um, it does our pastor's hearts uh, quite well uh, to see things slowly reopening, so very good to see you children back in Sunday school, and for those of you still at home, everything will still be uh, online as well, and uh, when you're um, able, uh, we're looking forward to seeing you back uh, again as well. Uh, we are continuing now. This is uh, kind of our, our week two, although we're still an introduction for our study of the book of Revelation, which, again, is not the best title. The title for the last book of the New Testament should be The Revelation of Jesus Christ. So if you're unsure about that, go back and watch last week's introduction. But before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh Lord God, you led your ancient people through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land. Guide the people of your church that following our Savior, we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 
Okay, we're going to start today. Uh, we read through the first uh, really kind of three verses of Revelation last week, a little bit of introduction. I want to start this week by just reading through all of chapter one. Um, if you need a Bible, uh, they're back on the stand. Uh, if you're at home, have your Bible open and ready to go. We're going to spend a lot of time letting our fingers doing the walking today uh, because there's some groundwork that we need to um, cover uh, before we get into all of the numerology of the book of Revelation. And that's probably the best title for it, okay? There's a lot of numbers that occur, but when we talk about numerology, we're talking about what these numbers represent. And so we're going to look at different groupings of numbers through Scripture. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll conclude our study at the end of today with some uh, fun information from Scripture on that. So let's begin with Revelation chapter 1, and then we'll uh, break down uh, these verses a little bit more. So just follow along as I read. The Revelation of Jesus Christ. There's your title, right? Right off the bat. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. That's you. Smile. You're blessed. And who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Say it with me. Amen. Pay attention to the amens. Okay? besides the numbers in Revelation. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, just as he promised, right? And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so. Ah, you're well trained already. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus, was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, Write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and to Smyrna, and to Pergamum, and to Thyatira, and to Sardis, and to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you understand all that, right? So we're good in the Bible class. Go have more donuts and coffee. So we start off at the beginning, just a brief review. 
this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. So understand now the progression. God the Father gave this to who first? To Jesus. Jesus then gives to who? To his servants. And in this case, the servant specifically is singular, John. John is now to give it to who? To the churches, first and foremost, the seven churches, which then now is also for everybody. Okay? Uh, Verse 2, this is a record of the Word of God. So specifically, this is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And in that sense, some of your Bibles might have some of the words of Jesus in red. Okay? Most of Revelation really should be a red-letter book because it is Jesus now who is speaking. Let's go to John 3, John chapter 3, 11 to 13, okay? Because it's the, the, the Word of God, which later we're going to hear is also referred to as a scroll, is so important. That is, that is at the center now of our life. So 3 verse 11, truly, truly, and remember whenever you see the word truly, that is the word what? It's the word amen, okay? So sometimes you'll see just amen or you'll see truly. So amen, and and those of you that have come to know me here in two and a half years, I like to say amen and amen, right? So it depends on what part of the country you come from, whether it's amen or amen. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. So remember last week when we talked about what witness means, literally it's a martyr, So John is told repeatedly to write down what he sees, okay? So this revelation of Jesus Christ is not just John, you know, uh, putting on his headphones or his earbuds or earbuds, whatever they call these things today, and listening to the uh, podcast of Jesus. John literally sees now all that is taking place and hears it as well, okay? So a witness, a martyr, is one who witnesses this firsthand. That's very important, okay? So John now is to write down what he sees, okay? And obviously, it's not just John. This is what makes the, how many disciples were there? Apostles? Twelve. Pay attention to that number. Twelve is a a big number, okay? Um, And maybe I'll start before we go a little further. The number three, can you guess what that references? Trinity. Okay, we'll just say God, okay? Uh, So we've got Father, we've got Son, we've got Holy Spirit. The number four, you know what Scripture teaches us the number of four is is for? Nope. Man. Okay? Man, like you, me, like human beings. Okay, we'll dive into a little bit of that. Number seven. (laughs) Uh, Seven, obviously, um, yes, but we're going to talk about the difference in this. How about the number 12? 12 is also the number of the church, okay? Now, what number have you heard already quite a bit just in the first chapter? Seven. We're going to unpack that in just a little bit. Hang on to your horses, okay? So John 3, 11 to 13 Emphasis on what's been seen, what has been given from God to man through the church, through the apostles. Note the progression. We're going to chase down some rest of Scripture to unpack these numbers and what they mean a little later. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And, of course, this is Jesus speaking. We speak of what we know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We bear witness to what we've seen Okay, but you do not receive our testimony, and I would say the apostles are included in this as well. No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Okay, And then verse 16, For God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So thus the exclusivity of Christianity. There's only one person, one name by which we must be saved, Only through Jesus do we have access to the Father and the Holy Spirit and all heavenly things. There are not many ways to get to heaven or to get to forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. Okay? Verse 3 speaks of blessings here in Revelation chapter 1. So, blessings, what's a blessing? Have you ever wondered about that? 
What's a blessing? A blessing, this might rock your world a little bit, right? Isn't there, an, I'm Scottish, isn't there like an Irish blessing? Any Irish people in the, in the audience? So there's various forms of blessing. A blessing from Scripture is simply what? Anybody know? It's the Word of God. Okay? So a blessing is the Word of God. Um, so think of it this way. When we as pastors give you a blessing at the end of the service, is it something that we just wrote down in our study ahead of time and then spoke to you? Okay? Uh, you know, we could say something like, uh, you know, uh, oh, I'm going to uh, pick on Lestine. Lestine, the Lord has blessed you with beautiful hair today. May the Lord bless you and your hair follicles and your roots, and may it continue to grow and be clean and, and you know, smell good when your son gives you a hug and, you know, not. I guess you could say, hey, I gave her a blessing. But you're welcome. <laughs> but according to Scripture, that really doesn't do anything. I mean, that's contingent upon how well you either think of me or like my words, okay, for a Christian, a blessing is always the Word of God. So when we as pastors give blessings, we speak the Word of God. Think of uh, confirmation students, confirmands at the rail. When the pastor blesses the student at the rail, the catechumen, what does he say? He normally gives them a what? What's tradition? A Bible verse. Your confirmation verse. Right? That's a blessing, the Word of God, okay? So blessings are all about the Word of God. Let's flesh this out just a little bit. Let's go to Psalm 71, verses 1 to 2. So keep your Bibles handy or pay attention here on the screen. We're going we're to be covering a lot of ground here today just to set some, some groundwork. 71, 1 to 2. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me, incline your ear to me and save me. And it goes on, be a rock of refuge. Okay? Uh, so for us, in seeking a blessing, from whom do we seek? We seek a blessing, not from Marcus McKay, although that may, might be nice. He might like your hair or like the way you're dressed. For a Christian, who are we most concerned? God, right? God, Okay. Uh, go to Romans 3, 21 to 22. Okay, Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Okay, that which God has given apart from that which you must do or keep. Okay, so the, although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Okay, so at the heart of blessings now is faith. Faith which God gives as a gift. Faith which grabs hold of what he has to say and says, this is a treasure for me. This is my life. This is my sustenance. I need this. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Some of these passages most of you probably have memorized. Okay, um, For by grace, and pay attention to that word grace. We're going to cover this a little later. Why don't you read 8 and 9 with me? For by grace you have been saved through, there's that word again, faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Okay, very good. Okay, that's pretty self-explanatory. Go to Romans 8.28 real quick. Uh, Romans 8.28, let's read it together. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. So everything starts with God's uh, uh, purpose, his desire, which his desire is that all would be saved. And in the midst of that, he promises that how many things work together for good? A few? <laughs> so when you think about, uh, for example, just your life, so let's, let's, uh, let's take a, a little bit of an anthropocentric view okay, from below and say when I look at my life... Um, is everything in my life working together for good? And you probably would say, what? Absolutely not. But God promises, because you are his child, that he's going to do what? Is he going to bring good out of bad situations? Okay. How about Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers in Egypt? Remember that one? 
They, they sold him into slavery. They took his coat to dad and said, hey, uh, a wild animal killed your son. Joseph goes into slavery in Egypt, has some very difficult things experience that he experiences. His brothers then come begging for food when there's a famine. And what does Joseph do? Give him a good pounding? <laughs> Make fun of him? Okay. No, he doesn't. He forgives them and he feeds them. And he says, that which you intended for evil, God brought about for good. And that's what your faith needs to cling to okay, in everything in your life. That no matter what happens and occurs, sin you fall into, sin that's done to you, God will ultimately bring these things for good. Question from the back? What was the blessing in the Old Testament? What was a blessing in the Old Testament would still have been the Word of God. Blessings in the Old Testament also were given by those whom God called to speak His Word. Okay, Which gets us thank you, because that's a good segue, and I didn't even pay you to ask that question, to what a prophet is. Okay, So a prophet is one who speaks God's Word. So in the Old Testament, those now that are speaking these blessings are those that are called by God to do what? To speak. In the past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets. Now, in these last days, these latter days, He's spoken to us through His Son. Very good. That's an important passage to remember. Okay. Did we do Romans 8 28? Yeah, we did. Okay. All right. So um, go to Exodus 4 real quick and let's, let's flush this out because um, God calls Moses now to do a mighty work, right? Uh, Moses, uh, who Himself was in Egypt, was kind of at the right hand of Pharaoh, right? And you've all, you've all seen, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the great Ten Commandments movie, you know, with uh, Ewell Brenner. <laughs> he was a great actor, okay? And, uh, um, and, 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 and you know the rest of the story. Moses, you know, leaves Egypt now uh, because he kills an Egyptian workman, and he gets married. He has a flock of kids. He's got a flock of sheep. And God appears to him in the midst of a burning bush, calls out to him, okay? And now uh, says, uh, Moses, I'm going to use you to free my people in Egypt. And Moses says what? Not me. I don't want to be that guy. So Moses is a very unique figure, okay? Uh, Moses didn't want to be a prophet, so to speak, but he kind of was. Moses didn't want to be a priest, but he kind of was, okay? So Moses is very, very interesting how God uses him. Um, and so when Moses tells God uh, here, uh, verse uh, uh, 16 especially, that he's not going to speak for him, God says, okay, um, I'm going to send you Aaron. Go up just a little bit, okay? Um, I'm going to send you Aaron, okay? Uh, your brother, the Levite, Okay? Um, and so he shall speak for you to the people, he shall be your mouth, verse 16, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you should do the signs. So a prophet's job now is to simply speak the word of God, which then a blessing, of course, is the word of God. Okay? Which brings us to this concept now of what an elder is supposed to speak. Go to 7 verse 1 real quick on Exodus. Let's look at one more from Exodus. Okay? So... 7 verse 1, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron shall be your prophet. Right? So that's why Moses has this kind of unique status. So he's going to be like God to Pharaoh, okay? um, which means his job is, is, is to, to represent God. But now Aaron is going to be the, he's going to be specifically the prophet. Okay? Uh, the viva vox, we would say, Christe, the living voice of Christ, the very voice, uh, uh, viva vox, theos, the very voice of God to the people. Okay, You shall speak all that I command you. So the job of a prophet is to speak simply what? The word of God that has been given him. Anything else? Are they supposed to interpret it? No. Their job is to speak it. Okay? So a prophet is simply to speak the word of God. Okay? So in, in back to Revelation now, Jesus is giving this to John. John is to write down what he has seen and just simply write it down 
and to take all this and give it to the seven churches, give it to you. Okay? Uh, John is, is not supposed to add or subtract from the word. Here's a fun question for you. Are there prophets still today? Ooh, retired pastors. We love this question. Why did I even bring it up? Are there still prophets today? Yes, sir. The answer is no. Yeah, why, why would the answer be no? Jesus had the last word. That's the best way to say it. So there are no more prophets in terms of those that God is going to call to speak. Okay, um, Scripture is closed. In the past, God spoke in this way. Now he's spoken th- through a son. And so what we're learning here in the book of Revelation is, if you understand the chronology, the last words of Jesus before he returns. These are the last words of prophecy. Okay. Now, when you, when you don't believe that, what happens? Or what can happen? You could end up with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Okay? Um, and, and I don't want to just pick on them. There are many others. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses would fall into this. Anyone who would claim, God has given me a vision. God has given me a word that I now must share with you. God has given me testimony that I must share with you. Okay? And Scripture says, nah. And Jesus actually warns against that. And that's why it's all for us. Where do we go? Scripture. Okay? So God doesn't promise to work that way. Can he work that way? Well, sure he can. He's God. But he tells us that we have what we need in Holy Scripture. Jesus references even the Old Testament books in this way. Okay? Uh, let's talk a little bit about this little word grace that occurs here at the beginning of the book of Revelation. How would you define grace? What's that? Yeah, fa- uh, favor. Uh, unmerited favor. Absolutely. How else would you define the word grace? A gift, that's a good definition. Okay, anything else? God's what? God's riches at Christ's expense, all that is absolutely correct. Okay, I'm going to try and simplify it for you and tell you that grace, you ready for this? The best synonym for it is gospel. The best synonym for gospel is what? Good news? Well, that's specifically what it is. Grace equals gospel, and we're going to see this in Revelation. You ready for this? Forgiveness. Okay? Which is what Jesus now calls specifically the church to go and do. So grace equals gospel. Gospel equals forgiveness altogether. Go to Acts 20, verse 34 real quick. Okay? Um, I just want to provide some other connections from Scripture, Acts 20, verse uh, 34. Okay. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. Is this the right passage I'm looking for? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus is saying this, so it's about giving. Go to Acts 20, verse 24 real quick. Maybe I had the wrong passage written down. Ah, there it is. Ha, silly pastor. Uh, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry, das amt, okay, uh, that he's called to, uh, that I've received from the Lord Jesus. To testify to what? Okay, so Luke, as an apostle, a pastor, primary task is to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Notice that phrase as that occurs, okay? The gospel of of the grace of God, okay, which is all about now forgiveness of sins, okay. Uh, thus, grace inherently is linked to who or to what? So go back with what we've covered so far. We've talked about the Word of God, correct? The B-I-B-L-E, okay. It's linked to God's name. Okay, 
Everything is linked now to God's name that he gives us. And to understand this, let's, let's go to Exodus 20, verse 24. Okay, Exodus 20, verse 24. Oh, is this the one I wanted to be remembered? Okay, an altar of earth, so this God's command, you shall make for me. Sacrifice on it your burnt offerings, your peace offerings, your sheep, your oxen. Pay attention, Leviticus people. And every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I will come to you and bless you. So this is a promise God gives in the Old Testament. And every place where I cause my name to be remembered, so where his name is spoken, where it is remembered, what does God promise to do? I'm going to come and bless you. So blessings, yes, are the word of God, but they're also linked with his name. Okay? Um, which names? Any names of God. Okay? Obviously, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, you know, go to Matthew 28, 19. You know this one well. All right? It's what Jesus says, make disciples. How? Baptizing them. How? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So where the name of God is, there is a blessing. Okay? So blessing is all the word of God, and then, of course, teaching them as well. Uh, let's do a few more scripture passages. Go to Acts 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? So there's the name. Okay? So the blessing is in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay? Uh, let's go to 1 Peter 3.21. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, so everything is linked back to who God is, how he manifests himself, and what he does. Go to 1 Peter 3.21. Oh, we just did that one. Whoops, silly pastor. Uh, Galatians 3.26 and 27. For in Christ Jesus, you are also in Christ, having his name given to you, baptized, clothed with him. What's the promise? You are all what? Sons of God, through means faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ Jesus have done what? Put on Christ. So it's, again, all about God coming to us, giving to us. Uh, go to Titus 3, 4 to 7. These are just some catechetical verses. Most of you should have these memorized from when you went through catechism, or teach your children them as well. Uh, so 3, 4 to 7. Uh, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Okay? Uh, so that being justified by His, and there's the word, grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Okay, great passages. Um, let's do one more. Romans six uh, three to five. Uh, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus, literally into His name, given His name and clothed Him, were baptized also into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Okay? And this is both a now and a not yet. So keep in mind that you are two things. You are, by the grace of God, a saint, but you're also a sinner. So when we talk about the saint, we're talking about the new man. We're talking about the sinner. We're talking about the old man, and the old man still clings to your flesh. So not until you die is this old man done away with. So this becomes a struggle now for you and I on a daily basis. Okay, uh, Let's uh, dive in just a little bit more about God's name. So obviously we talk about the Father, we talk about the Son, we talk about the Holy Spirit. There are obviously many other names for God, but these are the three uh, that stand out as God is Trinitarian, all right? Um, let's go to Exodus 3, verse 14. I don't think we covered that one yet. 
uh, when we talk about the Father. And as we study Revelation, pay attention to these uh, connections uh, that we have within Scripture. So in this case, Revelation, uh, well, let's just look at 1 verse 4. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and to and who is to come. So the one who was, got it, who is, got it, and who is to come, okay? How many, how many things are referenced there for God? Three, got it? Okay. Uh, so Exodus 3, verse 14, and then we'll look at 13 to 16 as well. Uh, so Exodus 3, verse 14, um, God said to Moses, read it with me, I am who I am. Keep going. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout generations. Okay? So God gives his name, I am, Trinitarian, the one who is, or who was, who is, and who is to come. All right, now, you ready for this? This is kind of fun. Hang on to your seats, because this is where it gets really good. Okay? How many things do you count when we talk about this name being given to man? Oh, let's look at this. The God of your fathers, one, the God of two, the God of three, the God of four, okay? So when we, when we get in and talk about numerology and we look at combinations of these things, um, and if we have time still today or next week, I'm going to show you more examples of this from Scripture, and, and that's why Revelation is hard for people to understand. Groupings of three refer to God specifically. Groupings of four now of that which is given to man. However, we're going to find out that uh, do they always believe or follow what God has told them to do? They don't. Okay? So uh, 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 even though they are saints, okay, they're still sinners. So think again of the exodus uh, from, from Egypt. God does amazing things, right? How many plagues? Ten. Ten plagues. Rescues them mightily. And the very last plague, the angel of death is sweeping through town like a horrible plague. However, those that have blood of the lamb painted (laughs) three sides. Interesting, right? Well, let's not get too far into that. But painted on their doorway, the angel of death passes over, okay, Um, and no death. Uh, They eat unleavened bread in haste, they have bitter herbs, um, and they are rescued from Egypt, given all the plunder. They get to the Red Sea, Pharaoh's host comes after them, all right, here we go with all the Yule Brenner on the chariot and all that stuff, right, chasing after them, and they're they're backed up against the Red Sea, um, and God does what? Parts the Red Sea... Okay, and they walk through on dry ground, not muddy, yucky stuff like we're going to have this next week as it starts getting warmer everywhere, right? Um, and on dry ground, and, and then basically smushes the whole host of the Egyptians. I mean, God rescues them. Then we got, we got the pillar of fire by night, the pillar of cloud by day. He leads them, takes them to Mount Sinai. The glory of the Lord descends upon the mountain. Shock and awe, pee your pants moment, Right? And you would think they would remember all the good things that God has done. God says, you come up on the mountain, and the people say, not us. We're not going up there. That's scary. And so who goes up the mountain? Ah, there's Moses again. Man, that guy was busy, wasn't he? (laughs) You know, and I bet he woke up some mornings and just complained about the job God had given him to do. Actually, we know he does kind of complain because we have that in Scripture. Okay, he wasn't perfect, so remember what I told you. None of the people that God used in Scripture, aside from Jesus, were perfect or without sin. All right? And while he's up on the mountain, the people get impatient. Okay? Now you might say, hey, 40, oh, how long was he up on the mountain? 
<laughs> How long, Pastor Grady? <laughs> He's up on the mountain, and they get impatient, and they built an idol, a golden calf, all right? They're sinners. Even though they're saved, have faith, they're, they're sinners. So we see this struggle between God's people, and so four can be good uh, uh, can show good things for mankind in faith and can also show, you know, sin and rejection, okay? Uh, any other questions? Let's keep, let's keep diving through. I've still got a half a page left. We need a longer Bible class. Um, where was I at? What, what passage were we on here? Exodus 3.14, okay. Um, let's go to, oh, go to Daniel 7 verse 9, okay? Because uh, we just finished our study of Daniel. I told you there's a lot of connections now in Revelation, Okay, and let's read verse 9 together. You ready? As I looked, and here's Daniel. Daniel now, who's a prophet, is doing what? He sees. He's a witness to these things. Okay? And thankfully, it's written down for us. It's preserved. The book is, 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 is closed and, and sealed up. Uh, here we go. As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. Its wheels were burning. Does that sound familiar at all? Look back in Revelation chapter 1. Okay? So th this is all now uh, uh, what, how God the Father is revealed and what we know about what he looks like. Let's talk about God, God the Spirit because there in verse 4, uh, we've got the seven spirits who are before the throne. That's right at the end of verse 4. Let's go to Zechariah 4, verse 6. Zechariah 4, verse 6. Z-E-C-H. There you go. You're welcome. 4, verse 6. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Okay? Uh, so God promises now to work uh, through the Spirit. Uh, let's look at, uh, we, we heard Revelation 1 verse 4, the seven spirits are there. Uh, let's go to Revelation 3 verse 1. Um, and to the angel of the church in Sardis write the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Go to Revelation 4 verse 5. From the throne came flashes of lightnings and rumblings and peals of thunder. Sound familiar, Exodus people? Okay, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Okay, and go to 5 verse 6, Revelation 5 verse 6. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, okay? So we're going to be hearing uh, again and again this concept of God the Father, God uh, the Spirit, and also God the Son, which is where we get into verse 5 of Revelation, which reads, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Uh, let's go to John 18, verse 37. So we're talking about the Son. And obviously the Gospel of John was written before um, the book of Revelation. Earliest accounts of writing of the book of Revelation are around like 68, 70 A.D. Um, you know, John was uh, uh, obviously exiled. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of fun trying to figure out you know, exactly when the gospel was written, but it probably would have been just a little later than that, in my opinion. Um, and what did I, which one did I give you? John 18, verse 37. Okay, here we go. John 18, verse 37 is, Then Pilate said to Jesus, You are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. To do what? To be a king? Jesus' purpose is to do what? To bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Okay? So Jesus now witnesses of what truth? What is it that Jesus witnesses? Jesus witnesses God, who he is, what he is, how he is. And Jesus now comes and reveals all that. Okay? 
And everyone who is of the truth does what? Listens. So that's why the beginning of Revelation emphasizes, okay, uh, not you Christians what you see, but emphasizes what? What you hear. Blessed is everyone who hears the Word of God, right, and keeps it. And that's why in the church we make so much um, of an effort to simply read the Word of God and to listen to the Word of God. And you might say, oh, that's boring. And I would say, take it up with God, because that's what He said to do. If God says you should do this, then what should you do? You should listen, okay? Uh, And the Spirit is at work through that, okay? Uh, A couple more passages. Man, we're just, the clock, somebody slow the clock down. Okay, I had some fun stuff I was going to get to. Go to John 1, verse 14. We got to get through this scripture, though, because there's such great connections. Okay, Uh, read it with me. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. And then obviously, if John bore witness about Him, who's the we have seen His glory? That's the... The witnesses, the apostles, the disciples of which John now is included with them. Okay, uh, Glory as of the only Son from the Father. Right, So the Son proceeds from the Father, the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Right, We confess that in our creeds, that's, that's very important. Okay, um, That's enough. Let's see if I can um, tie up a couple of things here real quick. Let's uh, let me show you just a little bit of the of the of the numerology, and then we'll come back to a few of the other points that we missed uh, uh, next week. Okay, uh, so for the number of three representing God, let's look at some other passages from Scripture. Let's go to Isaiah forty-one verse four. There's lots of passages throughout Scripture, okay, with references, but we're going to see this echoed in Revelation. Um, so we've obviously heard in Revelation 1 verse 1, verse eight, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, that's one, the one who is, who was, who will be, that's two, the Almighty, that's three, okay? And obviously within that, who is, who was, who will be, that's three as well. Um, so when we look at, which one did I give you? Isaiah 41 verse 4, here we go, okay? Um, I, the Lord, the first and with the last am He. So you've got first, you've got last, and you've got he, I am he, okay, I am, okay. Uh, Go to um, uh, Luke, uh, oh, 13 verse 32, okay. Uh, Jesus uh, emphasizes three things quite a bit when we talk about the red letters, 13 verse 32. We're not going to have time to flush them all out, okay. So pay attention with groupings of three, pay attention with groupings of four. So 13 verse 32 Go and tell that fox, Herod, behold, I cast out demons, perform cures today, tomorrow on the third day I finish my course. Today, tomorrow, and what's the third one? Ironically, the third day. Very good. Uh, Go to uh, Hebrews 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8, we're almost done. Kids back in the hallway yet? Uh, Jesus Christ is the same. Here we go, say it with me. Yesterday today, and forever, okay? Uh, groupings of four real quick. Let's go, to, um, uh, let's go to Acts 14, verse 15. Acts 14, verse 15. So referencing man, okay? Um, I've got a different translation on my notes here. Uh, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that we should that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and all the sea and all that is in them. Okay, so you've got the heaven, that's one. You've got the earth, that's two. The sea, that's three. You've got all things in them, that's four. Okay, um, go to Psalm one forty six verse six going to sound very familiar. So we had echoes of this, you know, revelation when we interpret it, we're looking at the rest of scripture trying to understand. Okay, God who, read it with me, who made heaven, earth, the sea, which is all that is in, all that is in them. Okay, heaven, earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Okay, all right, the last thing I want to say, uh, there's there's a whole bunch of uh, scripture passages about that. Okay, 
Um, last week, I made one comment that uh, prompted an excellent question from someone. We were talking about a little bit of the background of John, okay? And I would submit to you there are, there are four people that are emphasized in our gospel accounts. Pay attention as we roll through Lent when we hear the Passion narrative, okay? Now, you probably know uh, the first three, Peter, say it with me, James, and John, right? So these three now are included in a lot of things, okay? But I would ask you this question. Which four apostles are specifically referenced as rejecting Jesus in some way? Who would we add to this list? The first one you'd probably say is Judas. Hold on. Okay. However, was Judas repentant? Did he go to Jesus to look for forgiveness? No, he did not. So yes, Judas rejected, but he is left off the list of the apostles, correct? Which leaves us one more. Thomas, a grouping of four. Okay. Peter, we know, denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Okay. James, what did James do? James and John asked Jesus to do what? Sit at the right hand, right? Uh, they, wanted, they wanted special dispensation, okay? What about John? Remember a little comment I made last week about John? I said he might be which guy from the Passion account? The guy who fled away naked, all right, uh, at, at the time of Jesus' arrest, okay? Now, your Lutheran study Bible and stuff will say that it's probably who? Mark, okay? Do we actually know who it was? No. I would stand with Ambrose and a few of the other church fathers and say that it might have been John. I like the connection of John because that gives us a grouping specifically of four who fled. Now, all of them fled Jesus at his arrest. All of them, um, uh, we're told, were left. John, however, is the only one that's singled out in John's gospel. Okay, The women are standing at a distance, and then John's gospel records Jesus from the cross saying what? Woman? Here is your son. Son, here is your mother. Gives John to Mary, Mary to John. Okay, I've got a whole lot more, but we'll have to get into it next week. Okay? I hope you learned a few things today. We'll keep breaking down the first chapter, and I'll draw some strings around it in a great big bow, and you'll be like, wow, Scripture is amazing. I know, because it's all about God. Let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen. Oh, real quick, one announcement as you're walking out. I just remembered and I forgot. We have a young lady in the congregation who is raising chickens and is selling the eggs. I had some last week. They're awesome. They are brightly colored and they're really tasty with bright yellow oaks. So uh, so they will be uh, in the narthex uh, after church if you want to purchase any eggs. Or she's, they've got some up here. Hodge's family, Karina. Thank you.